is up. I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band, Run With It. That's at Run With It Band, at Run With It Band, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, all the places that you follow people at. And don't forget to check out our EP on all the streaming platforms. It's called How to Start a Fire, and you could go to runwithitband.net, runwithitband.net to click on that and take it, take it to your favorite streaming site. Now for today's episode. On today's episode, we have Kenny Carter. Kenny is a songwriter, producer, and artist from Kansas City, but based out of Nashville. He's known for his work in bands such as Trump Dogs, KLT, Waterdeep, and Chasing Seven. He's currently a third of the Nashville acoustic soul pop trio, The Magi. In today's episode, Kenny shares his story of how he was musically created through multiple diverse influences and how that spurs on his creativity even today. He also shares the story behind moving his family from Kansas City to Nashville to start the next phase of his musical career. We also talk about artistic community and the power of the hang in building your career. And if you are in the Kansas City area and it's you're listening actively at like at the moment uh, of this release, June 18th. 2022 june 18 2022 kenny's going to be sitting in with my band run with it on bass guitar and then his band magi is the magi is playing right after us well actually two bands after us at 7 p.m on june 18 2022 so if you're out there uh definitely check it out if you're listening to this and you're way past that date you missed out because it's going to be an incredible show uh and and this is an incredible episode so enjoy the live and create podcast Day starting out good for you? Yeah, not too bad. See, I can't even remember what's happened. I, I mean, I honestly, I was like, I was running real late on sleep, low on sleep. So, dropped the kids off this morning at you know seven thirty or whatever school, and and uh, just came home and crashed for a I while. I feel that. So, so now I'm just just up in here mixing and trying to get get stuff moving in the right direction. So. Nice, man. Yeah, I've actually, uh, this week, I, I have like six shows plus all the different stuff going on with our band as we're prepping for the summer. And it's like I'm I'm running late and then really early. And so in yeah, the middle, yeah. I've been taking a nap every afternoon, and it's been amazing. I, <laughs> I, I had to make it part of the ritual. I, I was like, I need Absolutely. some extra sleep. <laughs> welcome, welcome to being old, man. I'm sorry. Slap. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I used to not be a napper at all. Like uh, in like this, I would say about last year, I started every once in a while I'd do like a little twenty minute nap, set my alarm, and that's, that's all I needed. Juice. That's the juice, man. Tell me how it so works. you you do the twenty minutes in our yeah, twenty thirty I, minutes, and then pop yeah, up I and go. That, I got that. I got that twenty to thirty minute action. That's usually my best way to stay afloat. This morning yeah. I had to go big. I had to go big. I just kept hitting the snooze. I was like, you know what? I got to keep doing this. I, actually, I was up last night. A, a buddy of mine, uh, he, he does a little little podcast thing. And uh, so me, him, and another another guy, we were up till midnight talking about um, uh, Chris Cornell. So, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. So it was, it was the five-year anniversary of his death. And so. Oh, wow. My buddy wanted, to, heavy. wanted to reference that. So we just spent a little time just talking about the dude's influence on our on our life our creativity and all that kind of right. stuff so it was real cool that's awesome man what podcast is that man honestly i don't even know what he calls it i need to look that up 
<laughs> I'll have to I'll have to reach out and check that out. That was, yeah, like Chris Cornell, um, and then uh, Chester Bennington. I think wasn't that the same year? Both or I can't remember. Maybe. It seemed like it happened pretty quick. Maybe it was a year later when he committed suicide. Uh, those it's just some heavy stuff, man. And right? and like you said, the influence like grunge music in the '90s, like all of that. For me, that's yeah. like the music. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Uh, well, I think. <clears throat> You know, I was formed by so many things, but those guys, I mean, they did th they did did that deal that happens where dudes amalgamate a lot of things and they invent something new. Right. And, you know, it was like I was talking, I was describing to them, even like when I first heard Teen Spirit and uh, I was working at uh, this microfish shop out in Gardner, Kansas. And I just had to drop these like big, you know, big tapes off because it was a microfish shop and we would right. get the stuff from the telecom company and they bring the tapes over, put it on the machine and it would spin and it would put all the data on these little microfiche or whatever. And then I'd have to take, take a bunch of tapes back over there in the middle of the night. And that's some old school. This. That's some old school stuff right there too. So right, right. Yeah, computers, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I was driving this, they had this uh, company car. It was like a Reliant K station wagon. Yeah. So you go out there, you lift the lid, you throw a bunch of these tapes in there, and then you'd have to run over to the other place. And, and I've been rolling out there, man, in the middle of nowhere. And it's like the big uh, United Telecom building was out there. It's huge. And it's just nothing but field between us and them, pretty much. So I drive these roads, and I'd be listening to, uh, you know, station out of, out of Lawrence. And, you know, they're playing the, playing the college, college rock, whatever, you know? Right. And I remember hearing Soundgarden for the first time and being like, what is happening there? You know, that's wild, you know? But then you heard Teen Spirit, but that joint, when that joint hit like months and months and months before it hit the radio, it was like, I was like, I was like having to drive real slow. Cause I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose my signal. I was like, what is this music? You just pull over on the side of the road. You're like, what yeah, the it, hell? Exactly. <laughs> it was so next. I was like, I mean, cause you just couldn't, part of it was, man, I don't think that, I think the thing that struck me was like, it felt like nobody had ever thought of this before. I know. And they hadn't. You know what I mean? That's it's what's like, crazy. It really yeah. was like complete dynamic shift in everything. Yeah. I'm I'm literally, as you're explaining it, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about the my similar experiences with Nirvana. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's exactly. like it really was just like groundbreaking stuff. Like all of it that that was yeah. coming out of Seattle at the time. So Yeah, it's uh Ooh, yeah, we watched something really unique. You know, it's like being in the fifties, and all of a sudden you hear Chuck Berry or whatever. You're like, "What the heck was that?" You know? Yeah, and absolutely. It seems like it wouldn't be that drastic, but it was incredibly drastic. You know, <laughs> coming yeah, out it, of like whatever crooners were happening at the time and all that kind of stuff. It's like just just like nah, 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 nah. it's like you'd be out to think, "Why is no one thought of this?" You know? Well, and that's what's crazy too is when you think about. You know, like I never got into classic rock a whole lot. It was never my mm -hmm. vibe. But then in college, I had this roommate who was a big Zeppelin fan. And he mm -hmm. finally, he's like, this is unacceptable that you're a musician and, and you don't <laughs> appreciate. So he sits me down and explains like the history and like how no one played guitar like that. And like Hendrix, like he was the first one to make it where we, it's like you, you almost take for granted that those mm -hmm. sounds exist because he, and when he, when I saw it through his eyes, like yeah, yeah. I gained this huge appreciation for like Zeppelin, uh, yeah. you know, and Hendrix and where like the Yardbirds was kind yeah. of a transitionary period into all that. It's just, oh, and then, yeah, you think about Nirvana because now 
like a lot of those rock tones are just part of pop culture. Right. But right, yeah, right. it really was. I mean, it was all hair bands and, you yeah. know, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 80, like the pure 80s stuff, which 80s are great too. But yeah. man, what a shift. It jumped. Shift. I mean, it jumped really <laughs> dramatically. I mean. <laughs> when I, I was super into gangster rap, like uh, Easy e Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, mm -hmm. all of that. Like, I used to hate alternative music when I was there in the 90s. Like, I was living <laughs> in this this cultural shift. But then I heard Nirvana's cover, I think it was the Meat, was it the Meat Puppets cover, Man Who Sold the World, off of their Unplugged album. Know. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. And I, like, I got, I got goosebumps again, uh, just singing that part. Like, it was that moment, like your teen spirit moment where I was like, yeah. what, what is this? I've never, <laughs> I never knew I needed this. And then I probably watched that unplugged thing, like, every night for like two or three weeks. Like, it was, it was stupid. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it but, was funny too, because they were actually bridging some other stuff too at the time that, like, you know, if you weren't into like college rock, you would have missed it. You know, I just have, mm. I had some friends that were really into, you know, a lot of the elements, you know, of college rock, you know, they were underground kids, you know? And so yeah. they would, they would hit me to certain things or whatever. And you'd, you know, the Pixies and the Posies and this, that, and you know, all these different <laughs> bands, you know, you know, the Husker Doos and the, all this, these guys have been grinding away. And these you don't know the Husker Doos? <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of rock, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you had these dudes that were just like, you know, and then you got the punk rock kids and the hardcore kids. I mean, mm -hmm. the hardcore bands. And so they weren't doing that ultra, like, live sounding heavy sound. And I think that was the thing. Nirvana took the way those guys play guitar on that side, along with the like hard rock, you know, kind of like referencing back to Tommy Iommi and Black Sabbath and all those guys. And mm -hmm. they were they were pulling all that gutturalness from those guys and combining it with this like post-punk hardcore thing. And then just put these hilariously cute melodies on top right. you know like yeah they merged it with like accessible pop melodies yeah. but like scream them over yeah, a microphone exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well and it's it's crazy to think like the lineage of that too where like dave grohl was coming up with them and then of course now we have like he's almost like a grandfather of rock now like yeah he a was staple a baby of, yeah and and they're just like what's 18 18 19 at the time he was, he was like yeah he was a young cat like 17 18 in that in that era i think you know 19 maybe i think when they broke let's see here i bet you kurt was probably like 25 24 25 something like that because i remember when he was like 28 and i was thinking like man i gotta get this going this can't be old <laughs> like that when i get my you know when I start making this, like 28 that dude's old right <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like that's a, it, it gave me hope. I was, you know, fits in the tantrums. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can't think of the guy's first name, uh, the lead singer, but he was 40 when they first came out with their first album that like came out. Right, I was right. like, oh, oh, okay. There, there's still some cats who are out there doing this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got to watch them live a couple of years ago, me and my wife. Oh, that's awesome, man. I Went bet it's a for great anniversary. show. Yeah. Yeah. They put on one heck of a show, man. It was fun. Yeah, their vibe. I I love their stuff. We're actually uh, we're doing some cover stuff in the band as well, like private parties, those kind of things, on top uh -huh. of the original music. And we're putting one of their tunes, the hand clap, 
uh, let me see right. your hands. It's it's just fun. Uh, yeah, pop, yeah, man, absolutely. Kind of thing. So, but dude, I was reading the bio uh, for you, and it's funny because like I feel like we've known each other like loosely through a bunch of yeah. other people like for years. Yeah, and yeah. so I often just think of you as like Kenny Carter, and then I forgot like when I I, I read your bio and I literally forgot you were the klt project and we were with trump dogs like like as those are things i knew but then reading yeah. the bio i was like no shit i forgot about that <laughs> that's because yeah. i remember college like klt i was listening to that all the time and oh, then word. uh and then even the fact that you were like part of Waterdeep um yeah. as they were going and i imagine like they were kind of coming up during a lot of that era of music as well right like yeah, during, totally. was that it was mid 90s or late mid 90s? to late 90s yeah so like right. I joined the band in 98, so they had been going for two or three years at that point. And so um, yeah, they had already put out a lot of stuff. You know, they had done, um, well, Donald Chaffer had done a bunch of records, like on his own. Just, right. uh, you were at the time He's for Love. A prolific writer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he had done that stuff. And then when he pulled the Waterdeep thing together, um, he they did uh, To Chase Away the Birds which yep. was kind of, you know, just jam rock, you know, referencing all the the 60s and all, but also the jam stuff. And then um, and then they did, uh, he, he got with Lori Chaffer, you know, was she, Lori Kasha at the time. And so she, they got married and she came into the band and then they did Sink or Swim. And that was, you know, their smash hit in the indie right. world, you know. And then uh, right after that or after that, they did the uh, Live at the New Earth. And so uh, I joined shortly after that. Anthony Case was leaving the band at the end of 98, I think. And uh, is that right, right? Yeah, that was right. Yeah. And Chaffer came to me and was like, yo, man, would you want to come and play some bass for a few months? I was like, uh, I'm not really a bass player. You know, I'd done a little bit in church, you know. <laughs> Uh, I was like, but I guess, you know, it was like, and I was trying to, I was trying to get out of a few things at the time. So I was like, yeah, maybe yeah, this is a good way. With some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause I feel like most bass players, that's usually their story is someone came up to him and said, Hey, would you like to play bass? Well, I don't really play bass, but I guess so. And then yeah, they like yeah. fall in love with <laughs> it. seems like that's that's a common theme for bass absolutely players. man start making that money and you're like oh this you can make money with this thing oh wow yeah. okay you know because nobody's like there's not a whole bunch of people who's like spent their time and energy becoming a bass player and be able to do it well you know what i mean right and so if you're gonna give me a an environment where i can learn how to do it pretty well you know yeah, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> just let me. You're gonna pay me to just come and hang out and play some music. Yeah, let's do it. So that's that was awesome. kind of my now. Mind. Were you already connected with their camp in a way, like, uh, or it, yeah. was it a thing? Oh, okay, gotcha. So Chaffer and I, we went to high school together, and oh, we were okay. best right friends. On. We were best friends for a long time, and so we had actually lived together. Uh, he came and lived. Um, so my dad owned this duplex. And um, I I moved into the duplex like sometime after high school, uh, probably like a year or two after high school. Oh, I guess I'd gone off the way to YWAM. And yeah, so maybe it was like 91 or something like that. Moved into this duplex and Chaffer was kind of in between things. I think he was getting ready to go to KU or something like that. And so uh, we worked out for him to come and be my roommate. And he wasn't there that much. I mean, it was just basically, right. 
use it as a place to like come and sleep sometimes, you know, store, he was just store some gear. He wasn't taking on the yeah, road. Yeah, pretty him. much. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he, he was doing a lot in Lawrence and he had this little band and stuff like that. But then he started hanging out at the new, uh, the new earth coffee house. And man, he was just down there every weekend, just like yeah. being gone. It was like a thing, you know? And he was like, telling me about it. I was just like, okay. You know, <laughs> I didn't, I don't, I don't care about this, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> you're like, you do your thing, man. I'm, I, I ain't yeah. going. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, a, I was in this, this metal band named, uh, airborne. Really? Like I never knew you were in a metal band. I, oh man, <laughs> that was amazing. my thing, man. I was like, I was, I was all into that scene, man. That's awesome. It's, yeah. Yeah. So like when I learned to play the guitar, when I was like 13 or I started to practice, started to learn to play guitar. I was like, I want to play heavy. You know, it's like, I was an eighties kid. Uh, all that stuff was like the thing, you know? Right. And uh, as a matter of fact, which is funny, like speaking of a couple nights ago, I went to go see Striper. They were in town. And so nice. that that's was some like, old school, man, legit metal right there. <laughs> yeah, man. It was beautiful. It was like, it was so awesome. These guys are like 60 years old and they're just one of them. Oz Fox, you know, he's, he's had all these health problems. Dude's just barely hanging on by a thread, almost died a year ago. Oh, and wow. he's up there playing and he's doing his stuff, man. It was like, it's pretty, pretty impressive. And nice. so, uh, but anyway, so that was my scene and, and I joined this band right out of high school. And so we were, we were doing all these, you know, these silly shows around Kansas city, you know, just <laughs> awful setups, but you know, this is how we, this is how we did it. You know, all right. of our crew, we had like a whole crew. It was called the called crusade all these metal and alt metal bands in the christian music scene we're all hung out together and we did right on. bible studies and we just did life together it was like legit we're still very good friends across the board all these guys that's cool. and um and so at the time um you know donald was going down there and then they had invited us uh, some of us to come and play uh for some sort of event and mm -hmm. so there were some of our bands that went down there and played and uh and at the time it was just a little stage in a basement with like you know fluorescent lighting you know and it was just like really really lame and i was just like i can't believe you just want to go hang out there all the time i was like i don't i don't have anything to do this so finally the thing started to blossom and i thought man i'll go check this out by the time i went down there Sheldon had kind of built the stage and had some lighting and you know painted things black. On the Became scene. a little like, more oh. legit venue yeah, at that point. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. and they had a, they had their church, the church house, which was like a thing. And another buddy of mine was going down there, and he was really loving it. And I was like, okay, I guess this is a thing. This is a real thing now, man. Right. And then it just turned into our scene. You know, it was Absolutely. the scene in Kansas Well, City. it became such a popular thing. I remember uh, during finals week in college going to see POD, Blindside uh, there, I think like Spoken wow. or something like that. And it was the night. So they, POD had just announced that night for the first time that they had signed with Atlantic. So it was right wow. before, like they went, you know, playing New Earth Coffee House. And next thing you know, it was like 60 grand to bring them in for a show <laughs> because <laughs> they like blew up. But, but yeah, I, that it was it was a great venue and just a great vibe and yeah it, what's crazy is so many how many bands came through there that eventually found their way to some really great success so so you yeah. went though from metal to like indie rock like complete <laughs> was that a hard switch for you man here's the deal like i said you know grow i grew up in olathe kansas and so i was like the only black kid as far as the eye could see at the time on my side of town and uh 
I was just surrounded by dudes who were into all kinds of things, you know? Yeah. So I had a friend, this kid named Jason Fitzgerald, never since we were in middle school, you know, junior high to get dudes like hipping me to like alternative Christian rock bands out of California. He would take these trips to LA and bring all these tapes back, you know, and I'd be into <laughs> this stuff and, and I'd be reading Cornerstone magazine and kind of peeking into what other bands were doing and ordering stuff online. I mean, all, all through the mail and, and just, you know, I was, I was open, man. I was open to everything. And that's just the way my brain has always been. You know, I, my dad, my real dad, uh, my biological dad, he said, uh, he said, you know, me and your uncle was trying to figure out why you are the way that you are. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, really? He's like, he's like, yeah. Are you complimenting out, me right now? What, what, yeah, no, what's he's happening? Like, he's like, we figured out you were conceived in a psychedelic atmosphere. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like trying to, try to find a reason why I'm just like this, you know, all over the map kind of a dude, you know, but I just right. took in all this stuff, you know, I was immersed in, you know, all the things, you know, all the alternative stuff, all the rock stuff. I love pop stuff. I love hip hop. Yeah. I love all the things, you know? And so the way my brain works is it melds it together. You know, I remember being a kid, um, you know, we moved to the suburbs when I was in the first grade. And to me, like, you know, my favorite acts, as a little tyke, you know, with Stevie Wonder, P-Funk, and then strangely, I didn't know who these artists were, but Steve Miller Band and Elton John, because I love <laughs> Benny and the Jets and Fly Like yeah. an Eagle. I mean, because those were, I didn't know they were rock acts. Yeah, the Benny and the Jets, funky. that's got a groove. It just like right? digs the whole time. Like, that's probably one of my favorite tunes, like from, yeah. like, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, and like you said, the the conglomeration of like some of the bands in the 90s, like you said, it's like they're pulling from all these influences to finally create something yeah. new. And I, I think that's the power of creativity where you can take two things that maybe don't seem like they fit, but uh, a special mind can find a way like, hey, these can mm -hmm. fit, you know? And yeah. when you look at like Trump Dogs or KLT and even down to what you're doing now with the Magi, you hear that those different mm -hmm. influences and how they can come to life in a fresh way. And I yeah. think what's cool now though, is I think that it was tougher to market that probably about a decade ago. Right. Where now it's like people are just hungry for it. It's, it's like the world yeah. is so wide and at access right here on our phones that they're, they're taking influences from everywhere, you know? Exactly. So that's, that's really cool. Now last, so last I knew you were, I think you were leading worship out here in Kansas city. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, so what, and you're out in Nashville yeah. currently, right? So what Correct. was the thing that, that propelled you to start the Magi and, and move out to Nashville? Well, what happened was I was at this one church and it ended real poorly. Like, gotcha. you know, some dudes I had known for 30 years and really looked up to and, you know, they just like just destroyed me just and I'm just sorry to hear that. kicked me to the curb. Like, I, I mean, I was there for four months and they just like kicked me out of there and mm. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And so it was one of, it was like the toughest thing I experienced as an adult. You know, I think that like I've experienced deaths that didn't hurt that bad. You know what I mean? Wow. And uh, and so basically, I just went home and was like, OK, wife's got a job. I'm not going back to the church game. Just had a lot of experiences. You're just like, all right, maybe this is the end of that season, you know. Right. And so. Um, so I just kind of just hung out, watched the kids, did all the stuff that needed to be done at home. And I thought it took a few months to kind of sort it out. Um, and then actually it was that was in October of 2000 and. 
16. That was a 16 was a weird year, right? Uh, just just for everybody. I think emotionally, yeah. there was just something in the air that was just brewing and just affecting us all. Mm-hmm. And I think prepping us for 2020, you know? Yeah, right. And uh, I think that, because uh, I think that's kind of how it works. I think there's cycles. But um, anyway, so it was a tough year. And then in the, uh, the, the following year, 2017, my wife was telling me and my buddy, my buddy's DJ Lee, like, yo, man, because we both had a rough winter. And she was like, you know, you need to go to Nashville and just hang out, you know? And uh, we're like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, I'm serious. You should, you know, we'll pay for it. Just go, you know? Okay. All right. And so. Uh, You're like, sure. We, yeah, we just kind of, <laughs> we kind of just like ignored it for a minute. And then finally she was like, hey, did you guys book that tour, that, that trip? And uh, I was like, no. She's like, well, I'm serious. I need you guys to go with this, take this trip. I was like, oh, okay, this is a real thing. So I hit up BJ. I'm like, hey, man, she's serious about this. We got to go. <laughs> My wife's saying I got to leave town. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Well, I guess I got to leave town. <laughs> exactly. You got to take advantage of those moments. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, so we booked this booked this trip for like March 2017. And and uh, we we uh, we drove down. And, and it was one of those deals. I always had this experience in Nashville. It's kind of like a God place for me. Like I see God move in extraordinary ways and he always flips my lid. And, um, and so um, we came and we were having all these meetings with people. I'm just like, that was strange. You know, things just kind of conversations and it just felt weird. And then at the very end of the trip, I had something happen that like was undeniable to me. You know, it was like Hmm. shocking, you know, to me. And, uh, it just spoke to me. I'm like, are you doing something? Like, what is, what the heck, you know? And so I just knew at that moment that, oh, this is a thing. Like, and so I called my wife and she literally was having that day. She was signing papers to, to start a new job where oh, she was wow. going to be working, working from home. And, uh, and we had tried to move here before, but like her job wouldn't let her work remote. And so she was starting to, she was literally that day, our last day here on that trip, she was signing papers to work remote. And so I came home and I was like, Hey, listen, I think we got to start prepping. Cause I think this is going to happen, you know? Hmm. And, uh, I said, you know, we can just pray about it, see what's up. But I think, think I got enough to know that something's supposed to go down. And That's then awesome. it was just like, thing after thing after thing just kind of led the way over the next year and uh you know next year and a half basically and so i had been i'd started kind of guesting at this church you know worship lead, lead worship like once or twice a month kind of a deal and we had kind of a symbiotic thing that worked well you know i was helping them and they were helping me and so it was like all right i can groove with this there's not a lot of commitment not a lot of chaos let's just let's roll this way and uh, so I did that for the next year and a half. And um, and then we built a house and moved down here. And wow. uh, it was a really, really cool deal. And, you know, we had that first year and that first year and a half where things seemed to be going pretty normal. You know, I'd met this dude, Damian Horn, through a friend of ours. And then DJ moved down here like five or six months after we did. And nice. um, and he had known Damian had known him and DJ had known Damian. And so we were going to get together with another friend of ours and we we're going to write and she didn't make the, make the right that day. We were going to talk about putting together a project and a band and all this kind of stuff. And she, she didn't make it. So we just wrote a song and uh, it ended up being our song try. And um, so we we're like, Hey, do we have a thing here? Maybe we should 
do a thing. And Damien's like, man, I got all these gigs that pop up that I'm doing acoustically. That'd be great if I had like a crew, you know, and we're like, oh yeah, we could do that. That'd be cool. You know? So, uh, Damien started booking stuff and we started to become the Magi. It just became a thing when we just kind of cut our teeth. Uh, he had, a, he was booking for this venue called, uh, Old Smoky, uh, Distillery. Uh, okay. it's a company out in, in, in uh, started in East Nashville and it's moved to Central Nashville. Um, I mean, sorry, East Tennessee <laughs> and now is in Middle Tennessee. Um, and so they had this really beautiful place in downtown Nashville where there's like a store and a venue and an outdoor venue. And I mean, it's gorgeous. It, um, and so it's connected. So um, the company is Old Smoky Distillery and Yeehaw Brewery. So they they have like three spots, I think, where okay. they have these incredibly cool venues where you can go and buy stuff and and also see music and and so uh Damien was booking for it and so we ended up doing this like kind of a Sunday brunch kind of a thing like once or twice a month and we did that for like a year or so and then uh maybe it was a year and a half because then the COVID happened and just mm. shut everything down right and uh we we had seen we had a lot planned for 2020 you know we had things that were going to pop off for us that were going to lead to more bookings and more opportunity and all this stuff it was it was going to be a big year, right? Right, and it just all went away, and so it was such uh, a painful season for so many. There's uh, one of my interviews. They had they had just come off a tour, and things were about to pop off for them. Drop another album, and she's like, they they had their last show like the night before the full shutdown, and then it just yeah. like boom, like yeah, yeah, man, it's, that's rough. Yeah, it was just kind of catastrophic in some ways, but you know, it's like I think about. It. As the descendant of slaves, I think I'm gonna be all right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like dudes, right? Dudes have I been imagine. through stuff before. You know? Yeah. You're like, I can handle being in my house for a little bit of yeah, time yeah. and wearing a mask. I think I can deal with this. So that's yeah, so. that's a that's a powerful uh, powerful perspective in that regard. That's for sure, man. <laughs> well, well, you know, you just Go just ahead, think sorry. about times when people have had the whole system against them. You know, mm. it's not just my people, lots of people. And uh, how do they survive? How do they climb up out of, you know, these moments? How do they pivot? You know, that's a big word now for right. people. You know, how do you pivot to create something new, new opportunity for your people and for your offspring, for your for yourself and and uh build a legacy and so i think that's kind of where i'm at i mean i should have figured this out already but i feel like right now this is the thing where it's like starting to hit me like oh we better we better figure something out you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) i feel you i feel you my man (laughs) so what it what did that uh to use the term what did that pivot look like for you when when all of this all the craziness of 2020 hit well what we just did we moved towards releasing singles we had met this dude named charles alexander who was really into like our songs and he really dug my production style and he loved, he's good friends with DJ and he just loved DJ and he loved our crew and he loved what we were doing. And so he has like this um, label services company and he was just like, I just want to help you guys. So he helped us release a couple singles. Nice. And, um, and so um, it, it helped us kind of gain some traction while we were, you know, still, you know what I mean? We yeah. dropped a couple music videos um, and 
we just kind of started to create buzz, you know? And the, the thing about the Magi that's funny is like, so Damien, he's like been in Nashville for like 17 years or something like this. He's got a whole thing. He was part of the music mafia or is part of the music mafia. Uh, they do still walk around with these rings that they had made. They, so there's like a real music mafia. What I'm, well, I'm not familiar with this. Oh, okay. So, so I, I don't know if you ever heard of um, uh, Big, uh, Big and Rich. Yep. Or Gretchen Wilson. Um, I don't Cowboy know Troy. Wilson. Yep. Cowboy uh, Troy. So on the countryside, uh -huh. there's this clique that kind of dominated for a short season in a lot of the country game. And okay. so uh, these guys were just like nobody songwriters really hanging out in Nashville. And then they all came together. They collaborated to create an event that happened like I think every Tuesday night or something like that. Hmm. And they showcased all their songs. And it was like an incredible scene for a number of years. And uh, people started getting signed out of that, started, wow. you know, and basically, you know, what happens, money and stuff gets in the way and egos right. pop up and things fall apart. But <laughs> all these people and so still got the, the stories of most artists and bands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But so uh, I think it was I think it was John Rich. He's walking down the street and Damien, my, our lead singer in a band, he was busking on the street he was just playing his songs just with a mm. guitar and bucket or whatever and uh uh he's rolling rolling along john rich is rolling along and he's stumbled he's got a crew of people he runs into um runs into damon he's like listen to him and he's like hey are those your songs he's like yeah he's like okay he had put a hundred dollar bill in his in his thing uh and he's like it's like yeah he's like That's, those are my songs he's like man you you're really talented he's like you should come and hang out with us. So nice. he takes Damien and they go down to whatever venue that they're meeting at. You know, they weren't even the music mafia yet. Just a bunch of dudes hanging out, getting ready to play songs in this venue, you know? Right. And uh, they invite Damien to be a part of this thing. And as this thing grows and expands, Damien's like, dude, who closes the night, you know, wow. sings his little, you know, love songs or pop songs. Or he had, he had moved to Nashville in, in a grunge band originally. And, That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, so he just became a part of their crew, and he he went by the name Mister D. And so, um, he's part of this whole movement that happened in Nashville. And all these people, they seem really cool. Some of these dudes that were involved in this, but they had musicians and songwriters and producers, and and uh, they had artists. This girl named Rachel Kais. I met her years ago, and she would paint. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. Music Mafia was like a, it was a conglomeration of folks and they had this really killer thing going on. So, wow, that's uh, cool. Yeah, super cool. And so, um, anyway, so Damien was part of that thing and he was able to parlay some of, some of his access. And then DJ has been coming to Nashville for years. And so he was able to parlay some of his connection. And so we were able to just um, build kind of a little bit of buzz around the mm -hmm. band uh, just by releasing songs and, and doing uh, music videos, and uh, we didn't play a whole lot. I mean, and that was the problem, you know? But it did give me time, since most of the work was on me as the producer and all that kind of stuff, to make, right. make some music for us to put out. And Charles helped us promote it a little bit. And, you know, we got enough traction to where people started to hear about the band. It's so funny, I was talk we were talking to somebody recently, and they were like, uh, we told them that uh, we were going to do a showcase for some labels. They're like, oh, you guys, you guys are into that kind of thing? Like, they just think that we're just like, 
we're mysterious, you know? It's like, it's, we're not really putting ourselves out there super strong. And it's really just because we don't want to hit the social medias like everybody else. It's just like, right. but really it's just like, yeah, You're like the acoustic trio version of Kendrick Lamar. You're going to like, yeah, yeah, like exactly. float in the back and then all of a sudden like drop a masterpiece and then float in the Absolutely. back. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's exactly more our style, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but we've been able to parlay that into, you know, some, some accessibility within the scene. And we get a lot of great traction whenever we play live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now things are starting to pick back up slowly. And actually, in this next month, we have like nine gigs, which is a awesome. big deal for us. And so it's 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 swinging now. But for a couple of years, man, it was really just producing new music, um, play, doing virtual things for people and just kind of mysteriously letting us, letting people know we're out there. Now, Damien, he's got this whole world where he's he's been traveling the world. He had this whole season where he was he was part of John Legend's camp and all this kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So like. He's got a lot of things going on, so he stays really busy. And then DJ has a bunch of things. He produces and manages a couple of, uh, bands out of Kansas City. Um, nice. He. Uh, oh wait, is Olivia. that DJ Olivia Fox band? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I realize I know DJ now. Like I, as you've been talking, and then as yeah. soon as you said that, I was like, wait a minute, I know him. So we we yeah, met yeah. randomly at uh, Thou Mayest uh, Coffee oh, Shop right uh, several That's years awesome. back. I think he just started working with Olivia Fox band at the at the time and. Uh, yeah, cool dude. Cause I, I think, uh, Gleave, Josh Gleave was yeah. trying to introduce us at some point, but oh, yeah, that that's cool, sense. man. I'm just, sorry. I'm just making the connection finally. Absolutely. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's our thing, man. And now we're getting ready to get back out there and play a lot. And, um, you know, I think that's going to lead to a lot of things we've gotten better over the years. You know, we got our shtick down now, you know, we can do the cover shows. We got like, we got like four and a half hour shows sometimes oh, nice. you know, nowadays. And so, so you guys are ready uh, to hustle all over. Yeah, that's that the goal, happen. you know. Yeah, I love absolutely. It. So, love yeah, it. that's the, that's the scoop. Now, are you doing producing and writing with other people as well out there in yeah. Nashville or putting all of it? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, I have a few things here. Not a whole lot of things here. I'm still working with a lot of people around Kansas City. There's a guy named uh, Bob Camler. Uh, okay, he's a country artist. That. He's a country artist and Camler um, with a K. And okay. uh He's a really great storyteller, and I've worked on his last two projects. And he came down to Nashville, and he's like, "Man, just I, just, I want to do the Nashville thing. Just give me a band, give me a studio, and do the whole yeah. deal." We did it up, and I'm working on his uh, mixing his record right now. And um, so I love producing his stuff, and so it's going to be cool putting that out. And then there's a young artist; she's from Kansas City, but she's in Nashville now, and her name is Aspen with a Y. And uh, I had done some work with her. Um, and produced her first couple songs and we got another song that's in the can we haven't finished yet um and then uh she's kind of like a more alternative pop kind of a thing um really really quirky really cool kind of stuff and then um let's see here yeah drawing a blank now (laughs) well it seems like all your different influences uh from the past helps where now you can even cultivate other artists in different yeah, man. different and musical my, idioms really and that's my goal you know i i love all the things you know what i mean and i love to find out how all the things work and uh and grow in each of those and so um yeah man i i, I love to do it and so i i want to ultimately be doing more of my stuff um yeah. but i also always want to keep my hands in with other artists because I just love producing. I love writing. I love 
helping people find their voice, you know? Right. So, well, and that's the power of a great producer. You know, he can take yeah. them and, and help them discover things that maybe there was like scratching their brain way, way back here, but yeah. they didn't know how to articulate it. You help them articulate it. Uh, one thing I love about Nashville and being out there is just you throw like a rock and you hit someone who's just like phenomenal at whatever right. it is, the thing they do. And that that culture just seems so powerful. Was that some of the draw for you? Because uh, I already know you've been surrounding yourself with incredible people all along the way, but was that part yeah. of the draw? Man, it absolutely is. And, you know, as much as I loved working in, you know, the church for God and for God's people and all that kind of stuff, I loved all that. Um, at a certain point, you know, there's a, there's a very strong cap on your creativity and there's a very strong cap on uh, the talent base you're working with, you know? Uh, and I love working with really great musicians. It's amazing how much can happen in such a short amount of time when people have put that much work into their God-given gift they already have, you know? And, uh, you know, when I did Trump Dogs, you know, that was that was the thing, you know, I've got to have people that can execute this vision that's in my head, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and that's what we were able to do. And we found the best guys, you know, and those are my dudes, you know? Right. And uh, so that was my heart to be around people who are great at the things that I want to be able to do. You know, even with the Magi, we're not some sort of like tour de force of musicianship as far as like, you know, we're not going to play a bunch of notes and all that kind of stuff. We don't have any of that. We're just going to. We're just, <laughs> no, no we mix all, meter, like crazy, you know, yeah, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> we just we write good songs, you know, and yeah. it's like that's the thing that we're able to do and we can sing, you know. And so when we do our thing. We can put on a great show. We can engage you. We, our goal is to uplift the heart. You know, it's like we're we're like we we like to use the term, uh, you know, good good news and good vibes. You know, it's like we just want to bring good stuff to folks. We want people to feel like they've walked. And then we have this testimony all the time. People walking out, man, I just feel so good when I get done with y'all shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like because that's our thing, man. It's like that's what we're trying to give to the world. You know, deposit to the world. And so. Um, but when we get together, we have a like vision and we write good songs with right. a message that I believe just makes people feel like, dang, I feel better. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that's that's just the thing. It's like the world needs salve every once in a while, you know? And Absolutely. so that's kind of what we're about. And um, and so I, I love that aspect and what 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 we gain with uh, our song craftsmanship and our vocal expertise in this band uh, is another one of those things, you know? Uh, but I also love playing with these other guys, you know, every once in a while dudes that, that could just rip, you know? And yeah. uh, and so I love all that. I love to be at the top of the game, you know? And, and also this is where the industry is. So you want to be around the people who, who are the best at the industry stuff, you know? And so right. we're always looking for those folks that can, partner with us and help us get to the next phase of whatever we're trying to do and so that's tougher in a place like kansas city as great right. as that town is you know um so that's what i love about being here is that you get a chance to be connected to where people have concentrated their their ten thousand hours you know Absolutely. on the thing that i'm most excited about you know well relationships seem to be such the well seem to be one of the biggest drivers you know i was Absolutely. talking to a friend of mine um are you familiar with the band hembry at all oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah and isaac. isaac 
a uh, mm-hmm. great dude. And we were just talking about that, where he moved out to LA, where he's like, I love Kansas City, but they were finding like the tours they were trying to get on. It was like they were in the running, but then yeah. last minute, someone would be like, oh, we were having a beer with such and such at whatever bar in LA. And now yep. we want them to go with us. And he's like, well, damn it. I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's such an eye opening thing uh, of how, how relationally driven this industry is. I think that's how most industries are. You know, I think yeah, that's how that's most, true. most sectors of life are, you know? And I think that uh, Nashville is especially like that probably because of the culture. You know, it's a hospitality type of a town, you know, it's like it's Southern. It's, you know, all those things. It's a it's it it lends itself even more to that. You know, I think because of the culture of the city. And um, and so one of the things that, you know, when we first moved here, we're uh, our real estate agent is a girl named um, Erin O'Donnell. And her husband is he's high up in um, in in the in the record business. Uh, And. and she was an artist back in the day. And so they get the whole thing. And when we were riding around looking at places to possibly purchase or build or whatever, um, she was like, you know, it's all about the hang here. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that phrase is just always stuck with me because that's exactly the case, you know? Right. And uh, it's all about the hang. If you can come and you can hang, then things will happen for you. You know, I've talked, I talked to this songwriter, this guy's got like, hundred something number one hits or something like some crazy maybe it's 50 but it's a lot (laughs) um and i was talking to this guy at the songwriter retreat he's a big deal in nashville and uh and he was like he's like man you gotta be a part of a clique you know Hmm. he's like you gotta have your own your own crew you know he's like you can't be a part of my clique (laughs) he's like get your own but find one (laughs) yeah he's like he's like i did the work there you know it's like Right. I got in that click and we come up together. He's like, you need to find your own click hmm. and you need to come up with them. Cause once one person starts to succeed, it brings everybody else up. And right. so he was just talking about, that's just the system. That's the way it works, you know? Hmm. And, uh, and so I just think learning from these folks that it, how relational this is, is right. such a big deal to me, you know? I, and that's one of the reasons why I don't, you know, I, not to get political or anything, but I, I sometimes get a little unnerved when I think uh, when, when people get freaked out about like, oh, these people over here, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't care about us and this, that and the other because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, because I'm this or I'm that, you know, it's race, religion, blah, blah, blah. We pick all these things. It's like right. people hang with who they who they hang with. You know what I mean? It's like right. a real thing. It's like familial things. You, people tend towards that which is familial. And mm-hmm. if you're not in their circle it's hard to get the benefit of being in that circle, you know? Right. And this dude, uh, his name is Ashley Gorley. It's like what he said, no, you can't, you can't be in my book. You know, it's like, it's like, that's oh. awesome. It's like, <laughs> it's I do like, love that though. Like, I'm just going to be straight with you. That's exactly you what it hang was. Out with me, but yeah. you, you do need to hang out with somebody. <laughs> He's like, I'll talk, you know, we can talk as yeah, we can definitely talk. It's like, well, you can't be in this clique. It's like, I did this work, you know, we're right. in the million dollar clique, you know, you could get yours and then you make yours a million dollar clique. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, and I imagine too, you got so many people, um, you know, I, I remember we were in the studio one time with someone who had a lot of like notoriety um, mm-hmm. at this point. And we just like hung out with this person. We're like 
chilling. Didn't even ask to take pictures. Nothing like that. Just and it was just kind of how we were as a band. Like yeah. we were just. And uh, when they left, uh, Gleave was there actually, and he was like, he's like, that was actually cool, and that person might actually talk to you again because you didn't make it about trying to get something from them. Right. And I yeah. think it was, and for us, it just happened naturally. It wasn't like an intentional thing at that point, uh, just because I think it's just the dynamics of our personality in the band. But then it 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 really opened our eyes as we progressed. As like when we find ourselves in those rooms. Yeah. Like ask what you can bring instead of what what you can get from somebody. And I, I wonder someone like you said, if they're in a mil, if they're, they're in the million dollar club or multi million dollar or multi platinum club, they probably got everybody in the world trying to drop a CD or let me hang out yeah. with you. And it's like it's like until you can bring value to that, like don't don't try to like weasel your way in, in, in a sense, you know, so it's, it's interesting to hear someone say that like. Like, no, you, you can't join this group, <laughs> but at, at the same time, I think it, it's really cool that, that he was open to like coaching and open That's to conversation, exactly right. you know, and yeah. still loving, but like, here's some boundaries because shit yeah. like Nashville, everyone's trying to make it right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And I love, I loved it. I was, I appreciated it so much because it just hadn't occurred to me. I mean, I knew it in theory, but I think like, oh, this is a practical reality of things. And I, I mean, I remember. When I first got here, I remember talking to guys that are more my age and they were like, yeah, all these kids coming out of Belmont, you know, they're getting all the positions in the, in the publishing mm. companies and the record labels and they're, you know, they're pooling their resources and they're all living together and doing this, that and the other. And it's, it's sort of like a, maybe a little bit of disdain, you know, from some cats. And I was just like, but that's their crew. It's like, and that's their opportunity. Right. They, their mamas and daddies paid for them to go to that school so that they can <laughs> do this. It's like, hell yeah. It's like, this is the way economies work, man. When you get too expensive, they're going to give the opportunities to these young cats. And also, mm. they're studying ways to make music that you didn't study, you know? Right. And so I love the dudes who are able to pivot in those situations because you can learn so much from them. And, uh, uh, well, and you know, I think I've, the key, like, especially it's even down to relationships again where I've actually, I, I've had some younger folks ask me about going to college because I got my music degree and all that. And I'm like, don't, don't yeah. do it. And I was like, if I could do it over again, I would have like got a, maybe a business or like That's engineering it. degree and then taken private lessons for all the stuff. And I said, except if I was going to go to Berkeley or Belmont. Right, and the reason right. is because those professors are the ones actually doing it. And I know some yeah. kids who went there, kind of same story. They, they worked their ass off, you know, mm -hmm. but like they they got the attention of their professor and their professor's like doing something with Florida Georgia Line. And he's like, right. hey, they need someone to come in and do some drum mixes. Can you hop on that? Next thing you know, they find themselves like running with like the Million Dollar Club right. because their professor noticed their hard work. And I was yeah. like, that's the only time I think it's worth it. Uh, I don't know if you agree on that at, at all. Some, totally it's a agree. controversial thing with the whole college. My oldest is about to go to school. And so we we debate that all the time, you know, like, is it when is it beneficial and all that? But but yeah, those those relationships and them, their invitations in are so, so vital. So vital. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that. It's all relationship, man, drives everything. I mean, right. I mean, and, it's, and it shouldn't be surprising you know it's like <laughs> it's like that's the way politics works that's the way religion works that's the way i mean even jesus was like yo he's like be good to god and each other he's like relationships Duh. hey i mean once again <laughs> <laughs>
Pay attention, everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what are what are some of the things now, uh, you know, making the move, moving your family? Um, and you've been doing this now, what? Is, is, am I counting right? Two decades, roughly? Music? Mm. Yeah, I got, out of, I got out of UMKC in 95, and that was pretty much when I went. I started working in studios and stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah. So, what? Is that 25 years? 25 plus? Yeah, I guess so. Right. So yeah. as you've taken this next step, which again, I love it. You're doing it that long and you're still making moves. Like you're still figuring out like, Hey, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, the interview right before you earlier today is a kid who's 22 and he's mm-hmm. got a band. They're doing some really cool stuff. They're called the darters. He's out in mm-hmm. Spain in Madrid right now. Um, and then working on writing and doing all this cool stuff, but it's just crazy to see you know, as he broke down the world through his eyes, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. telling him like, I was like, bro, I'm 41. I feel like I'm just getting started. So you, there's yeah. so many opportunities everywhere. Anyways, long side note to, you know, 25 years, 25 plus in, and then mm-hmm. you make this move, uh, another big move to go to Nashville yeah. with your family, move your family. What are maybe one or two of the big lessons you learned along that path? Ugh. You know, don't squander time, you know. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that I'm learning even now is, um, you know, be proactive. That's a hard one for me, I think, because I stay in the ethereal, you know. Like, I'm way ethereal cat, you know. Like, the linear stuff, it gets in the way, you know. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But I think that learning, learning practical way just be proactive like not don't pause as often you know Hmm. it's like um definitely be wise but don't allow this the cyclical thing that can happen in your mind where you're trying to sort it all out and put it in a straight don't let that stop you from doing the thing right now you know Hmm. um obviously you don't want to end up in terrible situations or whatever you know so you gotta it's it's a tough balance and i don't know how you get that except through maturity and mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But it's very important to, um, to like when it, when, when the idea hits you, you know, move, you know, right. get going, you know, to the best of your ability. And if there's a blockage, then have a plan B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that like, I'm the type of cat that like, I can make music very easily. Like I can make a song and a melody and I can even make, you know, part of a production, uh, but I struggle with lyrics sometimes. Not that I struggle writing lyrics. I just struggle feeling content with my lyrics, you know? Mm. And so uh, I waited till I was pretty old to move to Nashville and learn how to collaborate on, on lyrics, you know? And I would say, no matter what community you're in, see if you can find somebody that doesn't suck at it and collaborate with it, you know? Because <laughs> that thing, man, goes a long way. And that was one of the things about being in the Magi, you know, a couple of songs that we've done are songs that I've had, the music, the melody, and maybe a hook for like 20-something right. years. And uh, I put them on a disc for the guys or in a Dropbox and they listened to them and they were like, dude, what the heck? And yeah, we want to do these two. Okay, great. And they helped me flesh out these lyrics you know for these songs you don't have to be like completely in love with everything that you come up with every you know when you're working with everybody but when you learn to let go a little bit Mm. and finish man finishing goes a long way you know (laughs) i mean i learned something even from josh gleave you know he's uh 
you know, he can do all the things, right? right. One of the things he figured out, he's like, there are guys that can mix way better than me, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe I will do this production stuff and I will pay them to mix for me. And that means I get my stuff done sooner so that we can get this out. And so I can go on to make my smaller amount of money quicker, you know? Yeah, and you're and you're happier as yeah. well because you're not doing something you don't like as much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you <laughs> know? Point. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm at that stage too, you know? It's like, I love mixing and mastering and all that kind of stuff i love it but i also realize there are dudes who are like so much more proficient at it than me Mm -hmm. and so my next phase is to get be building up my money so that i can start paying dudes that i trust to get this result from me uh for me uh that i couldn't get for myself as quickly you know expanding it out yeah yeah so that delegation thing is a huge deal um building a team you know Mm -hmm. trump dogs you know I still think it's the greatest band ever lived. You know, it's like, it's like, that was my band, but we sucked at having (laughs) a structure to make the thing work. You know, like we could play the shit out of that music, but it was all the other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And so I look back at that and it's like, man, I wish I had found a couple of people that could help me build a team to Mm. push that thing forward, you know? So the collaboration aspect, whether it's at the creation stage or whether it's at the promotion stage, whatever it's like you got to open up to figuring out what the roles need to be and finding those kind of people you know yeah and i i think that being proactive collaborating and i would probably say um you know sometimes just put some stuff out even if it's not perfect you know Mm. uh would be that's hard i think for a lot of artists is the perfectionism i've even i've just i've been dismantling it a good chunk of my life but this past week week and a half i've seen how like my i I have a legit ocd and like perfectionism that i deal with and like Mm -hmm. how it affects my relationships and down to even today there's something my guitarist has been asking for for like a week and i haven't got it to him because i i I didn't think it was perfect enough and finally i was like shut up miguel quit doing that just get it to him like uh, a buddy of mine says uh good is the enemy of great but uh great what do you say good is the enemy of great but done ah shit i i messed it up right now he had a great way of saying it but like basically like get shit done like yeah don't yeah. strive for perfection uh like yeah. perfection perfect is the enemy of done that's what it is oh, good is the enemy yeah. of great but perfect is the enemy of done because he's always Ooh. like miguel get it done like just let it go into the the world it may not be perfect it's okay it's okay. i'm totally that guy man <laughs> i'm totally that guy and i think that you know this is what this year is kind of about for me is getting to that place where i can just release things into the world Mm. and i think it'll be i think it'll be good enough you know what i mean i think it'll be really good but i think that letting go specifically in this temperature that we're in right now where you have the soundcloud world where people just putting Mm. out whatever you know right just just expressing themselves and they'll send it to you and i'll listen to it it's like yeah i mean that's all you're going to get from most people anyways is one or two good listens, you know? Right. And so just give it to them and let them, let them get to know you. It's almost like, it's like a love letter to the rest of the world. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. That's interesting. Are you familiar with the rapper, uh, NBA young boy at all? Uh-uh. So NBA young boy is probably one of the highest selling rappers like in the world. And that's uh-huh. why I asked if you're familiar because a lot of people aren't. 
this dude does nothing right when it comes to like what you're supposed to do. He's not on social media because he's always in prison and he's literally on like house arrest in like Utah right now being guarded by the national guard because there's like beef going on with like it's it's insane. His history is weird. But this kid has been releasing stuff, I want to say since 13 or 14, nonstop. And, like, Mm. he's one of the top streamed rap artists, or maybe artists of all time, on Spotify. And I just saw them share a picture where I think he has 100 songs platinum. Wow. He's not on social media. He doesn't even tour because he's always in jail. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, what what in the world? And and when you think – but I when I look at that catalog – I'm like, he's just putting song out after song yeah. after song. Or you think about like the Beatles, like they just, they just wrote and wrote and released yeah. and released. So it was only like what, five years, but all that work that they put out in a yeah. short period of time. I don't know. It just been, I've been reflecting on that myself of like, what does it look like to do your absolute best you can in that moment, but then yeah. get it out and get to the next thing, get to the next thing. Yeah. The gems probably somewhere. If you just keep digging, you know, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So it's, that stuff's been, yeah, I, yeah. Check him out, NBA Young Boy. My oldest, it's it's like his all time favorite. It's his. He tried to explain to me, it's like his generation's Tupac. He's eighteen, and uh, he's like the way you talk about like Tupac and his impact on culture and music. He's like, this is our generation's Tupac. I'm like, okay, wow. It's, and it's fascinating where he literally all the things that you go to conferences and watch videos about, you're supposed to do, you don't yeah. do any of them. And he's, and he's one, like he's streamed beyond, beyond belief. But, um, I love that. Yeah. The, that proactive thing, just getting it done. And then the collaboration, uh, that's as Gleave actually has been inspiring me to do that more. I've always written in kind of a vacuum and yeah. then presented to producers. I've, I've loved my work with producers, but never yeah. in the writing process. So we were in the studio recently and my drummer, he's like, he's like standing in front of me while I'm playing a guitar and he's like trying to like tap out this beat to me. He's like, no, like this. And I'm like, I'll work it out later. He's like, no, work it out now. (laughs) But it was, it was really good because it, it opened up things I didn't see. And like, cause I don't think on the level of rhythm that he is, you know, and then our, our guitarist producer just like sitting at the desk and, and he's like, Oh, try that again. He's seeing so many things. So I, yeah, I think the power of collaboration, especially in that songwriting thing, I'm mad at myself. I I took this long, you know, I feel you to it, but it's so cool. (laughs) I feel you. I feel the same, man. And I I think it was tougher in Kansas city. I tried to collaborate with a couple of friends who were really good songwriters or whatever, but we never really produced anything that was really that great. And I was probably emotionally like, you know, help, you know, but like being here, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're, you're able to write with enough people where you start to find that, okay, I could trust this person, you know? Yeah, this person would add this to my joint, you know, that Mm -hmm. that kind of thing starts to build up. And I I've been blessed to be able to work with the Magi where I'm working with two really great songwriters who add certain things to whatever we're doing together and uh, including songs that I've had in the can for forever, you know. Yeah. And so it's been it's just it's a joy to me now. I'm like, yo, who can we write with? Let's do it, you know, because you just never know. And it gets done quicker, you know. So I love that. Everyone I've met that's moved to Nashville, this is like a very similar conversation where they're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to write again. I'm like, dude, I got to get out there. 
<laughs> we we always love stopping in, and uh, and it's funny because it's out here, you know, it, it that culture is just not there. And I remember yeah. even being in the studio with Josh, and I invite another friend of mine, songwriter in town. And he comes in and just immediately starts jumping in. Oh, I'd fix this and do this. But because everyone is just like tuned in, he even said, I'm yeah. sorry, I just Nashville all over your track. And uh, <laughs> I was like, no, this is good. I love it. Man. So, yeah. well, oh, I, got, I got about three more questions for you and, and let right. you get rolling. I'm sure you got a lot more work and, and production to do. But uh, a lot of people listening are folks like newer in their careers, uh, getting yeah. going. Uh, what would you say? What's like? one of the most important things you would want to instill to them if you sat down with coffee with them? Uh, you know, probably some of the same things, you know, like I always try to find people who are great at what they do, uh, as well as people who maybe add a certain thing to your, to your journey. So like find great people, whether it's on the, the creation side, or the marketing side or whatever that you think that you could work with and help you elevate your game, you know? And then uh, also find people who are willing to just serve, you know? And even if they don't have everything that you need, if they have something to contribute, you know, maybe like finding creative ways to put people like that in your flow, you know, cause mm -hmm. if they love what you're doing, support is a big deal, man. You just need, right. you need support, you know? And then I would probably say, um, you know, the way that music works, despite being in Nashville where everybody's really good at something, generally speaking, uh, I would say that, that the prize usually goes to the most tenacious, not the most talented. Mm. And so if, if you stay in the game and you grind it harder than everybody else, even past the obstacles and the difficulties, then you're more likely to win the prize. Uh, a lot of talented people, uh, they don't, they may not have the stamina, you know? And so, um, and we all know, we listen to music. We know that there are people out there that are not incredibly talented, you know, uh, in a certain way. Uh, even, even just going back in history, just think about, you know, a guy like Jimi Hendrix, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. this dude was a phenomenal guitar player, but he was also sloppy as heck, but that was his style. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And he could. He turned it into something. Like, yes. That's, that's it, man. And, you know, uh, I may have already said this, but, you know, um, Eric Clapton was one that said um, that, you, that your style comes from your limitations, you know. Mm. And uh, and so I think that, like, being tenacious with what you have. And I always say there's seven billion people on the planet. If you work hard enough, you can find at least a few thousand who will dig what you do. Right. You can find you your fans I mean? now. You, you, yeah. Yeah. It's like you can get it to them at any moment now you don't Absolutely. have to wait that's yes. awesome <laughs> so we you know it, it's i know i know the algorithms don't help us i know that you know I, I i told somebody just yesterday you know the system is not your friend you know they don't care about you and so what you have to do is overcome the system you have to defeat it and so just find a way to to get past it, make it work, work its leverage against itself like you're doing some sort of Taekwondo. And, yeah, you know. some Jeet Kune Do, use it yeah. against their, your opponent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's get, awesome, get, man. Get, get it going in the direction that you want it to go, you know? 
I love it. Well, the last two questions off of the podcast, Live and Create. Uh, so mm-hmm. first of the last two, uh, how would you define living a great life currently? Oh, man. You know, honestly, um, for me, I think that living a great life is um, subduing stress. You know, um, stress is just it's a big enemy. You know, uh, it, it will steal so much from you. And as you get older, it will kick your body's balls, you know. And uh, and so I think that like finding a way to lower your stress, you know, um, I even think about, you know, Jesus, the great practitioner, you know, he's like, hey, don't worry, you know, quit it. Whatever you do, quit that crap. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I've heard that for forever and I just didn't believe it. And then my body just started to revolt on me because Mm -hmm. I was allowing stress to dominate me. And, uh, you know, that's what a lot of my life practices now is just trying to like think differently, breathe differently, uh, eat differently, practice things that help me to alleviate that stuff because that stuff starts to steal from you and uh and it will literally steal moments off your life Mm -hmm. and so and it will it'll make it tougher for you to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish you know um so finding a place of peace and rest in your day and trying to distribute it across your day is one of the one of the one of the best ways for me uh to live life well and then just, man, create, you know, be about creating if you're a creative person, because you're obviously designed that way. And it's sort of like if we stop, if we're not faithful to take care of that part, we start to atrophy and it creates stress mm-hmm. and uh, and it can bleed into all kinds of things. It can bleed into your relationships, it can bleed into uh, how you think. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and for me, I mean. For me, the big deal is connecting with God. I gotta, I gotta have that, or else. And even when I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's like it's bull crap. You really want to do it because you can't breathe if you don't. So right. freaking go do it. Stop and connect. And that can be also your family, your friends. You know, carving away that time hmm. and connecting with the people that you love. You know, uh, in a legitimate way, not in a like distracted, overwhelmed kind of a way. You know, right. And so, um, man, I love that, you know, now that's, that's huge. what I would say. Yeah, and I love that, that piece where that, that focus of keeping stress low and it, it's true. I actually was going through some stuff with like going to the doctor. I was having all these kind of issues with my heart and mm-hmm. doctors can figure it out. And the most we could figure as we started walking through things is a lot of it was psychosomatic, like stress induced things. And so it led me on a journey where like, for me, it's been like more like meditation from a like physiological neuro mm-hmm. neurological standpoint, but just figuring out how to essentially s- set a thermostat in my That's life. Exactly right. It's like, once it starts hitting that top, I, I have to start taking notice. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, this is going to destroy me. It destroys my relationships. If, if that thermostat keeps, if I let it go beyond that anymore. And, yeah. and yeah, it's such, and it's crazy because our own work, you know, becomes more beautiful and more enjoy. Like we can enjoy mm-hmm. it more when we're yeah. walking away from that. That's cool. Well, the last question, uh, right now in your life, how would you define creating great things? Whew. You know, I think that 
creating great things for me is, um, I mean, I, it can be characterized in multiple ways, you know, um, but for me, for me, creating great things is taking the things that I love and pushing it past the boundary of what I would tend to do. Hmm. So I think that like, say for instance, I'm making, if I'm, if I'm gonna make a rock song, right? Uh, I can make a really good rock song, you know, just guitars, drums, you know, but if I twist it in some way, if I, you know, if I decide I'm gonna have, you know, I like that chorus, but I'm gonna add a diminished chord there. And then I'm gonna have the drums break down into, you know, a hip hop group. I mean, it's like, that to me takes it past what the kind of like default is, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that like, that's when I feel like I slip into the great, when I'm able to um, get outside of that, which seems like the most natural response, the most simple response. And simple is good. And you can do great things that are simple, but where, when you do simple things, where does the greatness come from? You know, sometimes if you're gonna do something simple musically, then that lyric needs to go a place you don't expect. Right. You know, it needs to have that turn of phrase or that analogy that is out of left field that draws the soul into a place where like, oh, dang, I did not expect that. And now my world is better. Like, that's what I feel like uh, is, is doing something creatively great to me at this point in my life. So. That's awesome. I love that. That inspires me as I think about our own writing as we move forward. That's awesome. Well, let folks know how they can connect with you and connect with your music with the Magi. Yeah. So uh, you can find us at uh, themagimusic.com. Um, and um, yeah, we're on the socials. You know what I mean? We got the, we got the Instagram, we got the Facebook and, and I think all that stuff is at the Magi music. One of those is like at the Magi Music or at the Magi 615. And I don't remember which one it is, but just look for <laughs> the Magi Music wherever you wherever you uh, you you frequent, you know, and then see if you can find us. But ultimately, we're going to be dropping music later on this, this summer, I think. Uh, and then we're going to be playing. We're going to be up in Kansas City. We're going to do Boulevardia this year. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. June, June 18th. Uh, what where uh, we're playing Boulevardia too the same day. Uh, what, oh, where are you at? What time are you playing? I think we're like at seven something, seven thirty or something That's like awesome, that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we play I think we play right before Olivia Fox, actually. So Oh, okay. Uh so that's that's kind of extended tribe because DJ manages them. And so I just worked out that way. I don't even know who controlled it, but yeah, it worked out good. So that's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, that's gonna be a great weekend. I'm like, there's so yeah. many great artists coming into that thing. And I'm, and it's time, like it's been like what two, three years without festivals. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is time to see that happen. So, well, thank you for making the time. It's been awesome. Hey, man, it's good to hang. You know? Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.